Hello and welcome to the Brave Marketing Podcast with your host Swapna Thomas. This is the podcast for the renegades, the trailblazing leaders and the change makers who don't just have a business, it's your calling. Those of you who want to make a difference and make money but all on your own terms. I'm on a mission to show as many life coaches as possible how you can have more income, more impact and infinitely more fun by being unapologetically and bravely you and breaking all the rules. I have created 5 figure months with no paid ads, a tiny list and zero complicated sales funnels. Simplifying marketing and teaching you how to use it for good in the world is my zone of genius. With this podcast, I'm here to share weekly episodes on the soul and the strategy of marketing, mindset, money and everything online business. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Brave Marketing Podcast. And today we are talking to someone who has something very much in common with this podcast and me. And that is the name of the podcast. So let me introduce her first. Zena is host of the Brave AF podcast, a confidence coach, a speaker, and a crazy cat lady. I think that she shares that with me as well. Uh, and she's located on a beach in New Zealand. Is there anything better than that in the world? I don't think so. And she helps women all over the world to have their own backs, claim their confidence, and live brave lives. Welcome, Zena, And I cannot help but jump right into asking you about the weird fact that you have shared with us. So we ask all of our guests to share a weird fun fact. And Zena's is that she ate a live goldfish out of a fish tank because she was dead too. Please explain. Please tell us more about that. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, what can I say about that? I think I was about age 14, maybe 15, actually. And I was with a group of friends. And at that age, I was very much under the influence of peer pressure. And I was, I've always been one of those people who are like, tell me I can't do something and I'm going to prove you wrong. So my friends were like, I dare you to, to have a goldfish out of this tank. And they said to me, you won't do it though. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I will now. That's how that came about. <laughs> I love that. And I think um, while I wasn't, I have never eaten a goldfish live. <laughs> I think I shared that with you as well, this quiet rebellious streak that if someone tells me something that I cannot do, I'll quietly make up my mind. I'll be like, I'll show you. <laughs> so I think that has always been there. And as you grow up, it becomes more productive and we channelize it more into things that we really love to do. And I think one of the things that you love to do is to be brave, which is also the name of your podcast. So what is your relationship with the word brave? And what's your brave story? I know your story already, and I think it's very, very brave. So I would love for you to share that story with all of us. Yeah. Okay, cool. So my, I think my story with Brave started in the year 2014. And at that stage in my life, I was in my, I think, mid-20s. I had just bought a house and I'd brought that by myself on my own solo income. I had a great job. I was working in the travel industry and I owned and ran my own agency and I was traveling on average sort of 
four to five times a year. And by all outward appearances, I had what everybody thought was a very good life. And I ticked some boxes and life was going okay, but I wasn't very happy. And I decided that I was going to move from New Zealand to the other side of the world to London. I was convinced that happiness was waiting for me in London. (laughs) More money, more travel, all the things. And that was much to the kind of horror, I would say, of my family. My dad very much disapproved of this decision. He thought it was a terrible idea and he stopped talking to me. I had colleagues and friends and clients at work who did not understand. And I decided to do it anyway. I knew that if I didn't go to London, and just so everybody knows, London is about as far away from New Zealand as you can get. (laughs) It's the other side of the world. But I thought, like, if I don't do this, I will always regret it. And I will always think, what if? What if I had gone? So I decided to do it anyway. And that was the beginning of choosing Brave for me. And through the process, there were a lot of different Brave choices I made. And one of them was to start traveling solo. So when I was living in London and didn't have a lot of friends, I didn't have a lot of people to be able to travel with, I started traveling on my own. And I just kept doing it and choosing to be brave over and over again until that really became comfortable and easy for me. And then a recent example of my story with brave was that I was single for over 10 years and I was terrified of dating, so terrified. And I just decided, you know what? I would like to experience sharing my life with someone. I'm ready. I wasn't ready, but I was ready, right? So I decided to date and I was terrified, absolutely terrified. It was so far outside of my comfort zone. And I recently celebrated three years with my partner who I am with. Yeah. And I think another brave story is the whole story of your entrepreneurship and becoming an entrepreneur and a confidence coach. Um, And I think you pretty much created that on your own as well. Like when you went and got certified and decided I'm going to start this business, how did that come along? Yeah. So that was kind of following on from London is I did a couple of years over in that side of the world and did this huge solo adventure back home to New Zealand. And in the process, I had decided I'm going to become a life coach. And the school that I wanted to certify with was in America. So I decided to fly to America to be in a room with a bunch of people I didn't know and certify to become a coach and start my own business having no experience in how to run my own business having and saying that like I did run other people's businesses but I had no idea what I was getting myself into (laughs) some days I still don't (laughs) I feel like that every day how what have I gotten myself into and But what I'm hearing is that this braveness is sort of like this inner knowing that you just have that this is going to work out and it might not be perfect and it might, there might be some horror stories, like you said, along the way, but eventually it's going to work out. And I think that's what confidence is also that knowing, right? It's that I've got this, I've got my back and I can do this no matter what. Like it might not be perfect. It might I might 
fall a lot of times, I fail a lot of times, but eventually it's all going to pan out for me. And that is the inner confidence that not everyone has. And which is what I want to talk about next is the fact that you are a confidence coach. And I feel that confidence is a highly gendered word uh, because the majority of the time it is women who feel that they have low self-confidence, whether it comes to negotiating a pay raise or charging more for their coaching programs or even showing up as a leader. Why do you think that is? Mm, I love this question and I'm so glad you asked. So I think that there are two things at play here. So first of all, it has to do with the difference between how boys and girls are raised, which I'll elaborate on. And then the other portion is around the social conditioning that we receive and absorb around genders and the roles that, and I'm using air quotes for everyone, we're supposed to play in society. So when it comes to the way that boys and girls are raised, and I am going to speak quite generally we raise boys and girls differently. And if you think about boys climbing trees and being rough and tumble and falling out and dusting off and going again and, you know, running around and it's quite different to the way that girls, you know, maybe do ballet and play with dolls and dress pretty and pink and don't want to be dirty and messy. And Although I say that I was a tomboy and I was raised very much in both of those worlds. Worlds I had some of the, the girly kind of traits and I liked to climb the trees and fall out and, and get messy. But in saying all of that, the message that I saw and received was still watching the females in my life. And this is where the social conditioning element comes in, like watching my mum take care of my dad and watching you know, her fuss over what she was wearing and, you know, trying to do her hair and makeup and and never being happy with her appearance. And I observed what appeared to be a lack of confidence, even though I didn't know that at the time. And I just thought that that was kind of how I was supposed to be. So I think that there's, there's kind of those two things at work. Like a lot of the females in our life perhaps don't have or recognize confidence in themselves. And then there's also the way that we are raised as females differently to the way that that males are raised. And with boys being raised in that way, it builds their failure tolerance. It builds their willingness to mess up and try again or to not have the skills, but give it a go anyway. And we have three boys in our household. My partner has three boys and I see this with them all the time, especially with the youngest one, just no fear like willing to give anything a go. And I think a lot of that has to do with the role models of older brothers and having observed their behavior and kind of mirroring and and watching that. Absolutely. And I also feel that the conditioning that you talked about comes into play so much because I think when, if you look at girls pre-puberty, I think they are exactly like boys. They have no fear, whether they play with dolls or not. I think they are also fearless. They want to do all the things. They want to learn about everything. They're curious. But I think once you hit puberty, I think the messaging and the conditioning that you get from the society is more about how do you look? And are you do you look pretty? Do you fall into the same stereotypes or not? And I think also this idea of are you being too much? Are you asking for too much? Are you 
asking too many questions are you being too confrontational when you you're talking and i think there's this messaging that just be less and it's very subtle and you know you don't even know when you start shrinking to just fit into the societal paradigms and i think a lifetime of that and like you said having no role models especially for our generation probably the gen x or even the millennials not having that kind of role models where women were innately confident of who they are and also i think the whole the representation of confident women in media was that she is going to be stuck up she's going to be high maintenance she's probably not going to be good with people because she her confidence was um you know always portrayed as arrogance so i think um, all of that combined with your innate as you're growing up and finding your place in the world and not having those role models in place i think that plays a very big part in women sort of being on this shaky ground when it comes to confidence what do you see in your clients the most when it comes to a lack of confidence how does that show up in real life like we we sometimes don't hear examples of i think all of us personally have an experience of not feeling confident but how does it show up and when do you know that this is a confidence issue and not a mindset issue i mean of course every issue is a mindset issue but it's not just another mindset issue it's specifically related to your confidence and having your own back how do you spot that and how do you work around that yeah so first of all how to spot that some of the key areas that i see is being really worried about what other people will think so especially like if you are putting yourself out there on social media if you're launching a business if you have a goal that you're working towards like with dating perhaps like being so afraid of rejection of what other people will think and how you'll be perceived so that's a big one another one is when it comes to making decisions and be, being so afraid of making the wrong decision and being like paralyzed by that fear and that kind of ties into the perfectionism so i think that is a, a lot of the clients that i work with are kind of like a type professionals who are very wanting to get it right do it right be right it's all about perfectionism and there was one other one i had just thought of that i was going to share Ah, people-pleasing. <laughs> if you give my brain a second, you get it back. So people-pleasing was the other one. I myself am a recovering people-pleaser, and so many of the women that I work with want to put other or do put other people's needs above their own, and that can actually, you know, when we talk about having your own back, when you're not prioritizing yourself and your goals and your dreams and your health and what you want and all the things you're not having your own back. Like, yes, it's great to help other people and take care of them, especially when we have children and, you know, family, et cetera. But we also have to have our own back. And I, I think as women, we're so good at backing the other people in our lives and we forget that that's got to start with us. So the obvious question that I want to ask from here is that fake it till you make it is not a sustainable strategy i think a lot of us do try that at some point in our lives but it doesn't work in the long term you cannot keep faking it until you make it so what do you recommend as a confidence building almost like a protocol for women who feel that 
confidence is coming in the way of the success that they truly deserve. It's holding them back. Yeah. So something to speak to that fake it till you make it, that's always rubbed me the wrong way, that whole idea. But I think I wanted to share this with your listeners. If you think about an actor taking part in, say, a movie, there's a difference between faking being the person in that role and actually becoming the person in that role. So there is the movie Taxi Driver by Robert De Niro is a great example of that. So he actually spent two weeks as a taxi driver in New York City, like driving around for two whole weeks to really embody who the character was and what the life was like. And another example is Hilary Swank in Million Dollar Baby, where she's a fighter, she's a boxer, and she spent three months getting into shape and fighting to the point where she got herself, like she got an infection, she got really ill, like she really did live that life. And I think that the difference there is like, it's not like how you're doing it, which is very much the fake it. It's who you are being, who you are becoming in the process. So I use that strategy a bit for myself when I think about, you know, having a decision I have to make or, you know, doing more speaking is something I'm doing at the moment and and I'm getting, you know, nervous or I'm like finding my, my brain's wanting to like doubt that I can do this or I've got what it takes and question me is I spend some time thinking about this one character who I have in mind. So it's, if any of your listeners have watched the TV show Billions, there is Wendy is the high performance coach on there. I'm obsessed with her. love her. So that's me. I'm Wendy. And I think about you know, how would she show up here for this decision? How would she show up when she's nervous and she's about to speak in front of this group? Like embodying who she would be in that moment and really stepping into that. So I think it's a subtle difference, but I just wanted to bring it up because that really helps me to think about it in that way. But for another tool, I've got two that I'll offer your listeners. A quick one, first of all, is recording pep talks on your phone when you're in high energy. So I will often do this after I've had like a win or a celebration, or maybe I've had, you know, it could could even be just catching up with a friend and you're in a really great place, or you've just decided on this goal and you're really excited to work on it. Like when you're in this really high energy, record a pep talk on your phone. It can just be as long or as short as you like. And really speak to the version of you who's going to, be afraid at some point, who's going to want to quit, who's going to, you know, second guess or doubt herself. Speak to that person from where you are now, knowing that you've got what it takes and you can do this. And here's why. And remember that time that you overcame that crazy, horrific thing. And remember that time you achieved this, like you've got this, like, I believe in you. I've got your back. Let's go. Like record a pep talk comes in so handy. So that's one. And the other one is to create your own Brave AF folder. So I've got both a copy on my phone and a physical copy. So I started by doing this in like a scrapbook kind of a style using a notebook. And I went through and I printed out heaps of photos. And I wrote like a lot of the emotions that I experienced in the different things. So the idea here is to go through, and it's much easier if you just do it with your camera roll now, Go through your phone and create a folder called Brave AF and put in there anything where you have done something hard, where you have 
accomplished something or achieved something or blown your own mind or had to use courage and be brave, right? Anything you're proud of, any like if you went skydiving and you were terrified and you did it, like you put that in your folder, right? Like traveling solo, um, you know, posting something on social media you were terrified of, getting a testimonial from a client, whatever it is, you stick all of this stuff in a folder and you call it Brave AF. And you look at that when your brain needs a reminder of how brave and amazing you truly are. Mm, I love that. And I think we all need those reminders, even though we are the person who did those brave things sometimes our brain just tends to forget it and i think because the brain is always geared towards negativity bias it's always looking for problems rather than you know what we have already achieved what we have already done and how amazing we are so having those reminders is absolutely i think essential for everyone and I also just want to maybe add that I think sometimes even the tiniest things can be brave for some people. Like, you know, if it's not skydiving, it might be just like I showed up today, even though it was really hard and I felt like I wanted to crawl into my bed and never come back again. But I still showed up today and remind yourself that I've got what it takes to do this. That's absolutely I think incredible I love this idea definitely implementing both of those for me as well Uh, and I also love your take on fake it till you make it because years ago I remember I did this uh, exercise with a mentor who asked me to create this persona around an inner mentor of almost externalizing her This is very different from a future you exercise I think sometimes it's hard for us to even imagine that future us because it feels so far apart from us right it doesn't feel like how am I going to be that person so if you create almost like an external mentor like you did with the character Wendy I think that makes it easy because it's like oh what would Wendy do or you know just creating a name I even remember I named that inner mentor of mine so it's like what will she do it's not like what will Swapna do or what will Zena do because that feels like Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to crawl into the bed and never come back again, right? But if it's Wendy, Wendy is different. Like she's got all that it takes. She's going to do something different. So then I think it becomes easier for you to visualize what's possible. So I absolutely love that take on fake it till you make it as well. One of your podcast episodes that I listened to was about the imposter syndrome And the problem with imposter syndrome is that we make it mean something has gone wrong. If we feel like an imposter, something is wrong. And we try to make the feeling go away, which either leads to self-sabotage or hustling for our worthiness. So tell me more about that. What's your take on imposter syndrome? Because I think however however much money you have made, how many clients you might have, imposter syndrome keeps showing up in your business it's always there right so how do you how do you deal with that or how do you maybe not even deal with that how do you think about it what's your take on it yeah i'll give you my thought on on that but first of all i think that like this is something i experience on a regular basis and so many of the women and i'm sure you and your listeners as well like we feel so uncomfortable when we get that feeling of imposter syndrome and it can be kind of instinctive to want to shy away from that 
or to take a bunch of action to try and make the feeling go away, right? To outwork it almost. But unless we look at the thoughts creating the feeling of imposter syndrome, we aren't going to address the real issue. So often the trouble is like we think that our thoughts are true. So I am a fraud or I don't have what it takes to do this or I'm not qualified here. And we don't pause to question it. So if we pause to question it, I think of it often like a courtroom. If you're going to think that you shouldn't be here and you don't have what it takes and you're a fraud, let's spend equal amount of airtime on the opposite of that and defend the other narrative. So often I'll give people the example of like, if you believe that the world is flat, you will find all of the evidence to support that. I believe that the world is round. So I can find a bunch of evidence to support that. But if you literally make your brain focus on the other, you start to question what you believe because there is evidence to support that. So when I'm working with my clients on this, we will look at, well, why are you qualified to be here? Why do you have what it takes? And we will just explore that. And it just starts to kind of chip away at the idea that they are the imposter. But the thought that I come back to time and time again is When I'm feeling like an imposter, I'm playing big. If I'm not feeling like an imposter on a regular basis, then I'm not playing big enough. We earn that feeling. Yeah, we we earn the feeling of imposter syndrome when we leave our comfort zones and we choose to be brave. And we're all about that. We're all about choosing brave. And when we leave our comfort zones and we feel like an imposter, we're playing big. It's like a badge of honor. It really is. Yeah, you're you're so right. Like if we are doing the same things and we're staying in our comfort zone and just doing what we already know, then you're never not really going to feel imposter syndrome. It's only when you're going for something bigger than you have in the past or trying something new, that's when it's going to show up. And I think looking at it in a way that this is natural. This is not unnatural for me to feel like an imposter because I've never done this before. I have never been here before. So of course, it's going to feel a little unfamiliar. And to make it a problem is probably the wrong thing, right? It's it's not a problem. It's just how you're feeling in the moment. And if you work with it, like you said, with, with those amazing tools that you gave, if you argue for it and not just against it, which is what your brain is primed for. It's always going to look for the problem, why you're not qualified for this, why this is going to be a problem, why you're going to fail really badly at this. And instead, bring your brain back to where it belongs and look at why am I good at this and why will I succeed at this and what will I gain from having this experience, whether, you know, success or failure, regardless of that. What am I going to gain out of this? I think when we bring our brain back to those things, we are going to gain so much more from that experience rather than just this feeling of being an imposter. I think I'm having a personal breakthrough here right now because I think (laughs) this is such an amazing conversation because we've always been told that imposter syndrome is a problem and you need to solve for this problem. But this completely different take I think it's going to change so much because of course you're going to feel like an imposter because you've never done this before. 
Zina, you have a very fun, almost irreverent energy in your marketing and in the way you show up. And you're never afraid to get goofy on camera. That's what I've noticed about you. And I remember you made this really serious video. I think it was a testimonial while wearing a scream mask, I believe. And I've also seen you talk about something really serious again, very, very, very topical and important while wearing the goofiest glasses. And as a marketing coach, I would not be doing a great job if I don't ask you, how do you build that self-confidence in your marketing? How do you just, because I think authenticity is such a big part of being brave, right? And you are being yourself when you're doing those things, because I know you personally as well. And I know that's exactly who you are. You're not putting on a persona in your marketing. You're not created a character here. That's who you are. So how do you become really you in your marketing is what what I want to ask you. Oh, I love this question. So fun. Yeah. So in that in that video, I had the screen helmet. I had a stormtrooper helmet with gun. And I had something else. I can't remember what it was. I had like three outfits I had to fit into two minutes. It was super fun. But I also have a bunch of glasses, like really big glasses that I love to wear. So I think to answer your question, be more me. That is a post-it note that I had on my computer here for the longest time. Like that is the secret sauce is just be more me. And like you said, like for me, I am silly. I am goofy. I like to have fun. I love bright colors. I love things that are different and unique. So that's just me being more me. Like that is my version of the secret sauce. And I noticed when I started doing that in videos, like I actually prefer video than I do written or I prefer like audio than I do, you know, to type out and send an email because I get to just really express myself and be dramatic. I was always told I was dramatic as a child and it was, you know, implied as such a bad thing. And now I'm like, it's fantastic. I get to use it every day. (laughs) That's who I am. Like I get to be me. So I've really embraced that side of it. And when I noticed I started, you know, doing more of that in my videos and showing up that way on social media, more people were really responding. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, and it just reinforced that like when I'm just being me, people really respond to that. I'll add to that that I think it really is two things like play and fun. Like for me, it's fun to do that. But also I love to play with different things. So, and I think that that's just another way of saying like, treat it like a big experiment, like play with it and have fun. Those are a couple of things that I really live by in my work, in my marketing, in kind of everything that I do. If it's not fun, if I can't play, do I have to do it? (laughs) Because I don't think I do. (laughs) No, I think no one should do what doesn't feel like fun. And also just want want to add one thing here. I think it's your version of what feels fun to you, right? Not everyone might want to do what you love to do. And I think the, the idea is to, like you said, be more of you. So if you're naturally a person who is more a serious thinker, and I think sometimes people, you know, I see a lot of content around uh, don't write too long posts or don't write too deep posts, make it simple, easy to consume. But I think if you're a naturally deep thinker and and you love to really, you know, go deep into topics and talk longer about things, 
don't curb that instinct because there is there are people out there who love reading long form content i'm one of them i read long posts i love them and i get so much out of uh, when you know people are really going deeper into a topic and looking at it from all angles and i absolutely adore that so i just want to remind everyone that your version of you is what the world needs it's not some version of what everyone else is telling you like become like this show up like this that's not what we need we need more of you so whatever is your vibe like i think zena's is like a playful almost like a fun party vibe that you see in her marketing but for someone else it might be like a cozy tea party vibe or like a book reading vibe like you're in a book club that kind of a vibe so whatever is your vibe in your marketing just go deeper with that and lean into that is what i want to say so my last question which again being a nerd i have to ask you this what are your favorite books about confidence if someone wanted to build more confidence or just want to learn more about confidence it they might not be specifically about confidence but you have seen that they work really well when it comes to confidence yeah so i've got three that i would love to recommend so the first one is called brave not perfect by rishma saljani and she really talks about like how we raise boys and girls differently and kind of goes into how that impacts us later on in life as as females and you know talks a lot about perfectionism and also confidence it's a fantastic read the other one is the confidence code by Claire Shipman and Katie K so that talks a lot about the gender differences in conf- in confidence and also i love how they interview uh, some women in incredibly high up positions. So, you know, high up in the military and across government and different different places. And it is fascinating to hear how those women also struggle with things like imposter syndrome or self-doubt and how they talk about that and also, you know, what they observe from their male counterparts as well. So fantastic read. And then the last one, which is one of my favorites, is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Yeah, that like when I think that that really speaks to like be more you as well. Like that helped me to be more of my authentic self in just reading that book and even like going back to all the bits that I highlighted every now and again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely putting like, I think I've already read Gifts of Imperfection, but adding those two and I love Reshma Sojani as well. She's the founder of Girls Who Code. um, And I think it's an amazing, everything that she does is amazing. I love following her on Instagram as well. Um, So before we go, Zina, what's going on in your life right now? What are you talking about? And where can people find more about you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, this is such a fun question. I love the way you asked it. So what's going on in my life right now? I had to think about that. I was like, whoa, lots of things. (laughs) What is it? So two, two things I thought I would share. So one thing is that I'm navigating a recent diagnosis of ADHD and I say play, playing with medication and navigating that. So that's something that I'm working through right now personally, but also in terms of business, I am choosing to be brave and do a lot more speaking. I used to be a person who was terrified of public speaking and I have really, you know, actively worked on that over the last couple of years. And now I'm at this 
stage of literally speaking on stages and (laughs) running workshops and, you know, doing talks and things like that. So that's one of the brave things that I am doing now. And in terms of where people can come and find me and hang out, I love to obviously do podcasting. I love speaking. So my podcast is called Brave AF. I also love to play on Instagram. I just find it really fun and I can share all of my crazy cat lady photos. So (laughs) just a heads up if you come and follow me. (laughs) My Instagram handle is xena.jones.coach and my website xenajones.com. Amazing. So we're going to add all of those in the show notes, of course. And again, I love how you are, you know, walking your talk, like you've been going to, um, what what are those called where you practice your speaking? You've been going to those meetings forever. Yeah. So Toastmasters, there's a a club. Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know what that is, you can do it virtually or in person. I go in person at the moment and it literally is clubs all over the world where everyone goes to practice speaking in public. And there are lots of different roles. So you're always given an opportunity to speak and face your fears, but also work on skills, practical skills to help you like build your confidence in that specific area. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And just what you said, like this is, you know, what you practice, what you preach. So basically what you said that if I'm not good at speaking, I'm not naturally good at speaking. I've never done it before. So let me not just, you know, uh, sit there and lament over what a bad speaker I am. Let me go out there and start speaking and do it imperfectly and probably fail a couple of times, freeze a couple of times. But then eventually I'm going to get better at it. And now you're at a stage where you feel really confident about your speaking. And that's what it takes. Just doing one day at a time, one bit at a time, cultivating that confidence. I think confidence has to be cultivated. You don't get it overnight um, for sure. So thank you so much, Zina, for everything. I, I personally am taking away so much from this conversation, especially that whole bit about the imposter syndrome is mind blowing. I absolutely love it. And I'm sure that everyone who's listening to this podcast is also going to get so much out of it. So thank you so much for showing up today. That's the episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am thrilled to have you as part of the Brave Marketing community. Because this podcast is still brand new, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a five-star review as that will make it easy for other brave hearts to find this podcast and grow our community of rule breakers. Until next time, have a brave week ahead.